Welcome to Puto Politics, the political podcast of the San Antonio Express News. My name is Gilbert Garcia, Metro columnist, and I'm joined by Carrie Clack, columnist, editorial board. Nancy Prayer Johnson, associate editorial board editor. Metro editor, Greg Jefferson. And you all have no idea how long it took us to get that intro done, but I think we're rolling now. And uh, this is our Thanksgiving week edition of, of the podcast. And we're really thankful to have a special guest today, uh, second term uh, councilwoman, uh, Melissa Cabello-Haverda, whose district, I guess it's uh, you described as kind of more or less rooted in the, the far west side. I mean, it's a really big yes. district. Um, and you're an attorney, you have an MBA, um, and uh, we're going to talk about your your time on the council and what your, your plans are. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here and talk with you all today. I wanted to start off by by talking about you know something that's you all have been dealing with recently, and I, and I would imagine this has been a, an uncomfortable situation because the idea of of members of the council having to police your colleagues is not mm-hmm. something that uh, you, anybody signed up for, I'm sure. But in the past two weeks, uh, you've had censure votes uh, first for Mario Bravo, who there was an incident in September in which he uh, kind of verbally. Uh, I guess berated is the, 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 maybe the most apt term, uh, f- a fellow council member, Ana Sandoval. And then uh, last week, you all had a censure vote uh, regarding Clayton Perry, who was involved in a hit and run uh, accident. Um, I guess I would just ask you, you know, I know that it, it could not have been an easy situation for you or for any of the other council members in evaluating how you were going to approach it, what vote you were going to take, what what did you, uh, what was your thought process? Well, for, first I want to say I really do respect all my colleagues. This is a very difficult gig we have, and mm-hmm. um, putting your name on a ballot and doing this work is incredibly difficult. When I um, first learned of uh, Mario, with the incident with Mario and and, uh, and Anna, uh, you know, of course, the first thing I think is what really happened. You know, I, I, I was on the dais that day. I didn't see any of this actually happen, so... Uh, you know, all the investigation and the the, mm-hmm. um, the facts that we learned afterwards really are what, what helped me to understand what I needed to do. But before all of that, I, I started to kind of soul search and think, what is my role here? What what should I be doing? What was I elected to do? Wasn't this, you mm-hmm. know, uh, or at least it, it wasn't what anybody intended. When I was sworn in as an attorney, I recall that um, there was a gentleman that was speaking that said, you are no longer a regular citizen. You're held to a higher standard. You don't get to say that you don't understand things. You don't. You don't get to make mistakes. And I took that with me to City Hall, um, and it's even more so because I had about 150,000 people putting their trust in me. And um, I think that what happened with my colleagues, uh, both District One and District Ten, it was a betrayal of that trust. And so that I do represent my community in that way. And um, it was really heartbreaking for me to see both of those in- incidents occur again. I do really respect and and. Um, my colleagues, but it was heartbreaking because the community now sees city council as these people um, that maybe they can't trust, you know, and so we have to work really hard to, there was already distrust in government, obviously, but we have to work harder now as a, as a team, as, as colleagues, as a, as a, as a body to, to get over that trust. But when I'm faced with these censures, um, after seeing with, with Mario, of course, there was an investigation and we had some time and I had to think about it. And I talked with Mario. that was kind of a workplace issue too. I think that was unique. That was what the difference was for me for both of them, you know, is, um, that the, what happened with Mario and Anna happened, uh, for lack of a better term at work, right? It happened at our place of business and, um, to each other, to colleagues. Um, 
what so I think that was not an easy um, decision that we made, but I think it was a necessary decision. And I think that um, both Maria and Anna have taken steps moving forward. Um, I think that they're working together and we're fig figuring that out. Now with uh, Clayton, uh, that's a little different because it didn't happen at work. At the same time, we have a pretty bad DW drinking and driving uh, DUI um, issue in our city. And it's, it's again, going back to we are the example. We shouldn't, we're not allowed to make those mistakes. And not that, not to downplay, not that they're just, just mistakes, but we have to be held to that higher standard. And so when I went on the dais, which was very quick, I mean, I think it was within a week's time, uh, a little over a week that we, we um, voted to censure uh, Clayton, um, I, that was a little more soul searching for me because it was such a big issue and it's pervasive in our city. And um, but also, you know, it, it it was kind of difficult for me because it's like I have to be judge and jury over a person that, that it didn't happen around me. It didn't happen to my, in my work. At the same time, trust was put in me to look at this. So what I said on the dais is something I still very much believe today is, um, you know, my faith doesn't allow me to deny a man forgiveness when he's asking for it. But my loyalty and service to this city doesn't allow me to just let this go. So I think they both had to be censured. Um, now, I did stop short of calling for his resignation. I think that's up to his constituents. If, if you had been mayor, mm -hmm. um, would you have uh, been inclined to maybe take a little bit more time before the, the vote on Clayton Perry? Because I mean, it, everything happened really quickly. I think the vote was a, like eight days yes. after the incident. Yeah. And there's still, you know, there's still things we're finding out about it. And I, Absolutely. I think I would have taken a little more time. Um, you know, with, with Mario, it was a couple months and we were able to think about it and, and see, you know, any evidence and talk about it with attorneys. And I, I felt, I feel more confident right now about that decision than I do about the one with Clayton because uh, I didn't have that time to really um, in, in internalize what mm -hmm. was happening and, and the effects. And I've read a lot of articles I've read from, uh, you know, even comments from the community that thinking like, if I had more more time, maybe I would have considered that. Maybe, maybe I would have made a different decision. I don't think so. But uh, but yeah, I mean, time, time is helpful when you're trying to make a really big decision like that. Did the video make it hard? I mean, not too long. Well, so the video, um, it actually just, it was... I was really hard to see that, you know, yeah. not just because he's as a colleague um, that I respect, but, you know, he's an older gentleman and seeing kind of an older gentleman on the a military veteran mm -hmm. like that on the ground, I was just like, it, it hurt. Like it hurt to see, uh, you know, a friend like that. Um, and and that, that goes for any of my colleagues. I, I ho hope I never have to see any of them in a situation like that. But because he's older and you mm -hmm. just, just want to kind of sure. help that person, it was it was hard for me to see that. Um, but then you see the second part of it where he's, you know, kind of defiant. And and that was a little, it's, it's hard. It's hard to weigh those two things. Did but, you have any questions or concerns about SAPD's handling of it that night? I mean, uh, I think a lot of people yeah. wonder, like, why <laughs> wasn't he cited that night? I didn't, but be, I, I happened to, you know, I'm an attorney. I happened to have um, practiced on the, the misdemeanor criminal wheel for a while. And so mm -hmm. being an attorney and knowing um, kind of the, why they didn't do a breathalyzer there. They don't right. have field breathalyzer tests. They don't, he wasn't behind the wheel. There's a lot of very, um, people would think that maybe some of these players are hiding behind these, these, um, these legal issues, but they're real legal issues, you know. You know, I think mm -hmm. I do think that uh, there there's a um, there's an avenue where the officer could have arrested that evening, and and maybe that's where the 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 discretion part comes in. Mm. Um, and so I don't discount, you know, what people are saying about, you know, right. well, if this had been a person of color, I don't discount that at all. Right. I don't think that the officer made mistakes that night though. What was he the made it, 
What, under what circumstance could he have cited him? Well, he could have arrested him that right. night. I mean, you know, he yeah, didn't yeah. have, I think with the, not to second guess the officer, but I think what he did was make the choice that this person is no longer a danger. Mm. He's going to go inside. I'm not going to arrest him tonight. Let's do the investigation and figure it out. And I think that was perfect, well within his uh, his purview. Mm. I also think he could have arrested um, and made the decision to arrest, but I, I'm not going to second guess his decision in that moment. Um, but... I don't think it's wrong for people to call out, uh, you know, what would have happened. I don't like to live in hypotheticals, let me be clear, but um, but we have to face that issue that if he was a person of color um, from a different side of town, uh, from inner city, what what would that difference be? I don't know. Um, I like to think that that officer, that same officer would make the same decision. I don't know that. But I don't think he did anything wrong. I don't think he did. He he took any. There were no legal missteps that he took in procedures. Too. Have you all had been briefed by San Antonio police or received any memos? Or can you talk about that? No, I, we haven't received any any briefings from um, from SAPD. No. You all are going to have to um, pick and uh, appoint an interim replacement for Councilman Perry, who's asked for a sabbatical. And it, it's this is a, a unique situation. It's come up a couple of times mm-hmm. uh, in recent memory where. Uh, Someone's going to be gone for a couple of months or maybe less than that. Um, and, you know, f- finding someone, making sure that people are represented. But at the same time, it's, you know, you're, this is someone who's going to be serving for a very short time. Yeah. What are, what are you looking at when you, if you look at the, the criteria for for that person? Well, I mean, we, you know, the the uh, applications, I think, are still open. So I don't know all of right. who I have some ideas. Um, I do right now I'll say that I'm I'm. I know that uh, Gallagher is is applying, and there is a tendency right now for me to to lean towards him just because he has been elected sure. by District Ten before, right? He they made that choice, and that sorry that choice at one point was him. Um, also, the fact that he's saying he's not going to run that makes a big difference to me. Takes the politics out of it. It does, yeah, yeah. and. Um, I, I'm not even sure if he can. I don't know if he's termed out or not, but no, uh, he's no, not he's termed out, so no, he could. Not. Well, I mean, you know, we just have to take people at their word for things. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't always happen, you know. Yeah. But I, I believe, you know, I have to make a decision based on right now the facts that I know, not not too much hypothetical or speculation, right? But I also say, having said that, I don't mm-hmm. know who else going to apply. I mean, that's you know, right. that's the only one I know of right now. Um, the there is, I do appreciate the fact that that the people at one point have chosen him in that district, yeah. and it's important, you know, that's uh, his historically a conservative district and um, there are districts that are historically more progressive. I think it's very important to have that political spectrum, that that mm-hmm. that conversation. So we have to consider that as well. Now, your district is one of the, has been an incredibly fast growing district. I mean, it was, um, <laughs> yeah, that's where I was going with it. Um, but it, when we look at the redistricting process mm-hmm. last year, I mean, I think mm-hmm. it was the third biggest in, in terms of population and the Second. only other was yeah, a second. I think it was yeah. second. Yeah. And so, I mean, it, it, right there with eight and nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, it, I'm sure this this is a district you grew up in. I'm sure that it's yeah. it's changed a lot, and uh, and a lot of positive has come with that. But I wonder if like what are the the challenges you're looking at? I'm I'm, sh- I'm sure mobility is just a big one. Absolutely. So I'm grateful. I'm, I have a, a couple of chairmanships on our committees, but one of them is transportation. I'm a vice ele- uh, chair elect. I'm sorry uh, on MPO as well. Transportation has to be one of my priorities. It's it, with a, a district growing as fast as ours is, and if you think about it, not just our district. We are just inside Holotus, just inside um, most of Alamo Ranch. So even the growth that's happening outside my 
my district. When you're leaving downtown and you're going to Alamo Ranch, going to Holotus, you're going through District 6. Sure. So I have to prioritize, prioritize uh, transportation. And I, you know, I really, I love, 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 love my district. I love going out. I know these neighborhoods. I know this city really well. I knock on doors. I listen. I understand. Um, but, you know, I love to act. My favorite part of this is getting it done. So with transportation, that's a little bit, it's like trudging through mud, right? Because it's a lot of dollars. We're talking highways. We're talking surface roads. We're talking sidewalks. Um, and I think at some point we have to get more creative. Um, and I know there's been a long push for pedestrian and, and bike mobility, but uh, I don't think well, the city has taken it seriously enough. Mm -hmm. I've spent some time uh, recently in uh, Colombia and in Mexico City, and they have these incredible bike lanes for, they're, they're pretty much a whole a whole road, I mean, a whole lane where mm -hmm. a car could go, but they're, they're being used and sometimes more than the vehicles, right? So we have to start looking more progressively at those things. We don't, I think that, um, you know, and I'm guilty of it too, we're still sometimes a little small San Antonio, but we're not. We're we're the seventh largest city in the country and we're growing, 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 especially in my district. So not just getting creative about solutions, but really implementing it and putting our money where our mouth is, which is why I'm grateful to be on MPO. I'm grateful to be our chair of our transportation because I have more say over those things. And not just for my district. It's it's really my city, right? We, we don't live in this little bubble in District 6. I mean, the roads sure. go in and out. Colorado Road is the main road I've been looking at. Um, it goes from District 1 all the way out past, um, turns into 471, as a matter of fact. So that, and it's a treacherous road. So that's one of my priorities, not just because it goes through my district, but it goes through so many parts of the city and it's just one of the main arteries. Um, so I'm really pushing hard for bike and pedestrian um, uh Mobility, getting you know, getting people moved around our city via. Of course, we have to invest more in, in via. I am um, as as I said, I was in um, in Mexico City, in Colombia recently, and I, I see their bus systems and think, why aren't we doing this? Right? Why aren't we investing more in this and and having these. Uh, these different avenues of, of mobility because we can't, and I love my car, don't get me wrong, I love driving, but um, it's nice to be able to be on a bus working and, and you know, get my, my work done on the way to City Hall. I can't do that right now because I live kind of far out and it would take a couple hours to get downtown and nobody has that time. So when I say, um, you know, creative, it's not just, it, it really is the funding. It's, it's the ideas are there. I didn't make any of this, you know, bring anything new to the table, but it's the funding I'm trying to push to the table. Um, when you look at, at uh, who is moving into the district, mm -hmm. and I know it's hard to generalize, yeah. but I mean, what are, what are you seeing? Is it mainly young people? Is it people coming in from out of town who, who have jobs? Definitely people, a lot of people from from Austin. Um, you know, I think the, the price, the housing in, in Austin has gone really high, the, the cost of living there. So a lot of people are looking down uh, the, the road there at their, at mm -hmm. their primos in San Antonio. And so, um, and we talked about the IUB. I can talk about that in a minute. But um, I think who's moving into my district is a lot of young families. Mm -hmm. We're, you know, as, as people are want to do, right? My parents did it. My parents uh, were inner city. My mom went to Fox Tech. My dad went to Lanier. As I do a little better, as people do, they move out to the suburbs. And that's where I grew up, you know, in the uh, great Northwest area of, of District 6. But that's still happening. You see a lot mm -hmm. of young families moving out there. Um, a lot of young professionals, too. Uh, I'm really grateful, and, and one of the things I've worked for in my district is parks, like quality of, of life, you know, just improving our parks, making sure you can walk to a park, uh, of course, all the drainage, streets, roads, all the, the things that I have to take care of. But I do think that that's attractive to a young family or a, a young professional. Now, the transportation in and out of the district, that's our problem, and that's where I'm, I'm focusing. Because if you work downtown, um, you, you have to drive downtown, right? You can't... Um, 
ride your bike so much, right? Um, I know from different different districts you can do that. We have our trail system too. I think we have to look very seriously at our trail system being a form of transportation and making those those roads to make. Sh- um, and I meant figuratively roads, but <laughs> but also literally those uh, pathways uh, to get people from uh, outer parts of the city to inner parts of the city, or even across town. Uh, you know, there's that big via. Um, substation that's out in District 10 on the north side, and it gets a lot of criticism for not being used. But if you look at it during the day, a lot of people that work inner west, uh, south side, they they work up there and they're taking the bus and they're using that trend that that hub. So it's important that we're not, you know, we it's easy to look at, you know, that that hub is always empty, nobody ever uses it. But if you go at the right time, you're paying attention, and um, you know maybe hospitality workers that get out at midnight or two o'clock, they're taking, um, you know, other like via link, other kinds of um, forms of transportation. Well, you, you said you were going to talk about talk about the uh, interurban I, bus. <laughs> so the interurban bus, I'm, I'm excited about it, and I, I'll tell you. I know we've talked before, but I was skeptical. Um, uh, Secretary Cis- Henry Cisneros came and talked to us at transportation. We invited him to come talk to us about it, and uh, it's not easy to be skeptical of Henry Cisneros, but I absolutely was because I, I it's funding, right? Again, talking about the money, um, I didn't like that San Antonio was picking up. Almost well over half the bill. Could, could you explain what it? Just sure. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, the interurban bus is a pilot program. It's a bus, literally a bus that will go from San Antonio to Austin and back every 90 minutes. Um, if this, if we're able to get it off the ground, and we'll transport people back and forth. You'll have Wi-Fi. You'll um, pretty inexpensive ticket uh, to get back and forth. It goes from about nine in the morning to about 10 o'clock at night um, every every 90 minutes or so. And they're uh, pledging you get back. Or you get uh, one way in in about an hour. Um, my skeptic skepticism skepticism came from the funding. Um, I don't like that San Antonio is taking the biggest part of the bill. I think the city of Austin or counties should do more. Um, also, the uh, I, my number one criticism was that it's going to start you, you, the pickup point in San Antonio is Randolph. Um, I live far west. Uh, if you live far south, far west, even inner city, how are you getting to Randolph? And if you're there. Why wouldn't you just go the rest of the way, right? Um, I think that that's a start. So I'm kind of, you know, I, have to, I want it all. I want uh, everything beautiful and wrapped up with a bow. But um, we have to take that baby step and start it. So I'm 100% advocating for it. I'm going to do my best to get it funded. I still think San Antonio is taking up too much of that uh, cost. But I don't want that to be the barrier to get this seed planted. Um, you know, we talked a lot about about rail going back and forth. And, and I mean, I think the general consensus is that that's just never going to happen. I still have hope someday. Mm-hmm. But uh, but right now, I think this bus is a good way to show the need, the 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 demand for it, and, you know, just see if it works. Let's see. It's a pilot program, right? And it's, I mean, it's a million and a half. That's not, you know, pennies. But it, relatively speaking, for transportation, it's not the most expensive. So we can get those little details worked out. And I think, you know, I think it's a great idea. And I'm excited to, to see it happen and, and to ride the bus back and forth to Austin and see how that goes. Um, and, you know, we're going to have to work out some kinks. There's going to be stops along the way, I think, um, New Braunfels, San Marcos, and thinking about students. Um, you know, it's funny because I was thinking you, uh, students from San Antonio going to UT, going to San Marcos, but it's the other way around too, right? There's plenty of Austinites or people in, in, in those areas right around Austin that are coming to UTSA, maybe St. Mary's. I think it's, uh, it could really change, you know, we're talking about housing. It could change um, 
some of those needles too. It can move some of those needles on housing. We don't have to have so much, right? Um, and, and also the cost for for a family. If if they live in Austin and their student is going to UTSA, well, housing, even dorm room housing is expensive. Maybe they don't need to do that um, if this can work out. So I think it can open up a lot of doors and I'm hopeful, uh, but I, I go into it with some hesitation, I get. I went into it with some hesitation and I'm not hesitant anymore, but I, I do think that we need to understand the issues and then really kind of tweak the, the problems. How much of the tab is San Antonio picking up? A seven, uh, about 700,000. Mm-hmm. And it's, so uh, well, no, it's close to 800,000. Yeah. A little over half. Yeah. yeah. It's closer to 800. I mean, is it, did, well, to you, I mean, to, to you, me, does, that right? mean, does that mean that Austin isn't quite as committed or interested? I don't know. I don't know that they're not committed. And I, I do understand that part of the problem is that nobody's willing to put their dollar down first. And mm-hmm. so, I, I mean, I'm not afraid to do that, but I want to make sure it's equitable. I mean, we have, uh, we, we, we are the bigger population. It's based on population. San Antonio is the bigger population. Um, but, you know, also our county, I think our county could pick up a little bigger tab. Um, I'd like to see uh, Austin, and, and they have a couple of counties there. I'd like to see them pick up more of that, that and tab. And the burden, would, though, would, would still would be negotiable. Absolutely, first, yeah. So. I think it's, you know, uh, again, you know, putting that dollar down first. But I don't want to be the—I I do want to to get in, in into it. I'm ready to go. I want to see this bus moving. I just want to make sure that we're— we're paying our equitable part of it. And it is based on population, so I understand that. But they have just as much to gain as we do, I think. And when I say they, I mean Austin, even um, New Braunfels and San Marcos. So I just want to make sure that we're all, uh, you know, working together and making sure that it's it's uh, we're all picking up the tab a little more equally, in my in my opinion. One of the, the big things that you emphasized, uh, you know, when you when – you in 2019, when you got elected, mm-hmm. was uh, economic development and trying mm-hmm. to spur uh, the growth yeah. of business in, in your district. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, uh, I think less than a year after you, you took office, we had the pandemic hitting yeah. it, which is, was devastating to the, to the economy. It, yeah. Um, November 2020, voters approved a sales tax for SA Ready, Ready to Work, which mm-hmm. is, you know, job training, job placement program. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your impressions so far? We're in the early stages of the implementation. Mm-hmm. There have been some questions about how effective it's going to be mm-hmm. how, or uh, how many people will be enrolled. Will they meet the the, the goals? Yeah. Um, what, what are your your impressions so far? You know, I have the same questions. I, I, I will ask and, and I... I also need to be patient. I think it's a fantastic idea. I think that the idea, the premises, is a really good one, and it's all in the execution, right? And I do think that we've had we've been slow going with ready to work. I've been very skeptical. I've I've voiced my concern publicly and privately about it. Um, but the fact of the matter is, we're investing in it, and we need to figure out if we need to adjust here and there. Then we need to do that. I, I don't think that we should hold on to the original idea. Um, this is the way we're going to do it. You know, hell or high water, right? We have to adjust as the needs. Um, arise. And, and to your point, right? I mean, we did this, uh, you may recall the the sales tax originally was supposed to go towards VIA and we switched it over to um, to ready to work. I, I, I still think it's a good idea. I think that that we have the right partners, you know, uh, Alamo Workforce and and ACCD, everybody involved. Uh, it's, I, I'm just, I'm a little impatient. I want to see results right now. And that's kind of my, my mantra, right? I want to, you listen, you understand, but you act, you do. And it's hard for me not to see this where we thought it would be by now. I do still believe in it. And I think we should be patient and kind of work it out. But at the same time, we need to make tweaks. We need to adjust. Uh, I, you know, there are certain um, maybe parts of this that didn't work out so much. I mean, in the beginning, I know we talked about a stipend. And I liken it to Project Quest, you know, which I think they're doing incredible work. And we we're, we modeled it somewhat after Project Quest. And they're on a small scale. I thought, well, we'll just scale that up. It didn't 
exactly work that way. So, I mean, like even the stipends, um, I think we originally started out with a certain amount and we, and when you're a student going through a pandemic, you know, um, and, and initially I thought it was transportation. They were going to need that transportation back and forth mm -hmm. to school. Not so much during the pandemic, you know, they needed it for other things. Um, but when you're a student, it's on your own and you're struggling to go to school. It's not just tuition. It's not just transportation. It's, um, you know, eating, right? <laughs> like your rent, sure. your food. So I think those stipends are really important, more important than I really even understood. And so we increased that. You know, I, I do still believe in it. I think that we can, we can, um, it can be effective and it can, it can be something that we can say, look at this subset of, 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 of people in our city that have done better in life and, and now their cycle is, you know, with their families is going to be even better because they went through this program. It's just hard not to see that immediate result. I want to see results right now. So, um, so I'll just ask, you know, I, I also have to be patient, but I think we have to be patient with it. I also think, so one of my passions is um, uh, foster children. Um, and we, we can even tie in homelessness to this. I, um, Early on when I ran for office, uh, and you may recall the, the first time I ran, I lost in 2017. Very close. Yeah, yeah. very close, close. Yeah, I remember the paper called it heartbreaking. And I was like, it was heartbreaking. <laughs> it's exactly <laughs> how I felt. But uh, I... I, in that race, I had a number of people approach me about foster children. And I, I thought, well, what can the city do, right? So I started asking around um, those two years between when I was, when I lost my election, when I won the next time around. And it, it really is a big pervasive problem in our city, in our country, really. Um, but I started understanding there's a lot of nonprofits out there doing good work. The more I started talking about it, then I get elected. I started asking real questions and bringing it up in, in our, our committee meetings. And everybody told me, this is, you can't do anything about that. You're city. That, that's a state thing. You know, that's not for you. And so I kept pushing and pushing and pushing. Well, now we have our, excuse me, we have our... Um, I know I was going to hit something. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> we did it all the time. We have, you know, the pandemic. We have all these housing issues. We have uh, people that are houseless. And guess what? A lot of them are children that have aged out of the foster system. So that's really where I've been focusing is these children that have not, never really had um, an adult uh, guidance, uh, guiding their, their lives. And now they're left out on the street with a trash bag of their clothes, nowhere to live. No, they, they have free state education. They don't know how to access it. Um, and so when I think about all of these things, ready to work, uh, solutions to homelessness, uh, it really is part of it is, is putting a face to the the title of, of somebody who's houseless, somebody who, um, you know, maybe start this ready to work program. A lot of these kind of ailments that we suffer from in our city, in our country, uh, we can start by, you know, looking at this one subset of, of individuals who really have no, no, nobody else in the world. There's a lot of nonprofits out there that are helping in the through project and a lot of other projects that are doing incredible work for them. Um, so my thing was housing for them. Uh, they, they, if we can, we have this housing bond, we're all talking about affordable housing now. Let's build these, these, um, this housing for them that's that's supportive, like permanent supportive housing where they can go in and learn some life skills, almost have like a house parent, you know, and, and maybe a, an organization that runs it. And they get a better start into the world uh, because it's a pipeline to being a, a aging out of the foster system is a pipeline to being houseless, to um, for sex trafficking and for incarceration. So we can, I think we're not going to solve all those things, but if we can take this subset of individual and, and category of person and, and keep them out of those systems, I think it's a start. So that's been one of my passions going forward. Um, 
But I think, and it, it goes, I didn't understand how pervasive it is in our city. And it's a, it's we got not, not just children aging out of the foster care system, but I think those are the ones right now that are in the most kind of urgent need. And then we have uh, CWAP kids, children without placement who are very, very troubled. And it's, it's difficult to find, um, I mean, we see them in the news, unfortunately, all the time. And, and that's like 50 kids. I mean, I feel like we can help 50 kids, right? <laughs> but we haven't. And, and, and I say we, I mean, as a society, the city, the county, the state, all can work together. So that's really something I've been kind of shouting from the rooftops. And I'm, I'm grateful that we are having those conversations. But again, you know, I want to see that action. And so we're moving towards that with um, a lot of these programs. We'll jump around a little bit. Yeah, so sorry. Uh, I, I we now know that the San Antonio missions have a new ownership yes. group. So yeah. it's uh, Graham Weston, uh, let's see, Bruce Hall, Many others, including Henry Cisneros mm -hmm. among the new owners. Uh, we also know that there's a lot of interest on this group's part uh, of building a downtown baseball mm -hmm. stadium at some point, which will probably mean public funding. Is that something you could support? This is a tough one for me because uh, Nelson Wolf Stadium is in my district. Right. And so the first I heard of this, I got real, I got kind of squinty eyed and uh -huh. suspicious and um, it's, it's, it's upsetting for me. I, I'm, let me be clear. I, I think that local ownership is way better than what we had. I don't mm -hmm. think that they were really taking care of that stadium and, and really put us into the position that we're in now. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I thought about, I've been investing a lot in that area of my district, which is, which is Edgewood, which is a little more inner, um, West side, mm -hmm. um, because I think they have been very much, uh, forgotten or neglected. I think, uh, you know, District 5 has a big part of Edgewood and they spend a lot of time there, but my part of Edgewood, not so much, right? So I've spent a lot of time there. Um, we're even going to, you know, building a destination park. A lot of it was to bring investment around that ball field. Mm -hmm. So now you're talking about moving that ball field and I'm right. not, I wasn't too happy about it. But, you know, number one, I represent my whole city and I have to keep that into, into consideration. What is kind of the greater good for our city? And if it's moving the ball field somewhere where will mean more economic investment, will mean more jobs, will mean better for our city, then I have to consider that. But there was this um, promise made to the, this community, right? Just like the AT&T Center. We're going to build this ball field here. This is, you know, way back. And there's going to be all this economic investment. It didn't happen. Um and and so that's my problem is you're gonna you're gonna kind of lift out not physically but kind of lift out the the um, the organization and there's this ball field there and that promise wasn't kept so I have very frank discussions you know with everybody involved and um, I I I from the start support local ownership and I think it's incredible and we should have local folks owning the the team um, but. But my my concern is not so much for where it's going as where it where it is and what's going to happen if you do move the organization. We'll still have a ball field there. I mean, I think I'm, I'm trying to get creative. We have a Edgewood Pony League that plays on these fields that are not great. You know, the, the lighting's not great. The the fields are great. great for them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And meanwhile, they do have to uh, bring that that um, ball field up to code, as it were, right up to standards of Major League Baseball. So mm -hmm. invest in that ball field and we'll figure out what happens from there. Um, so I'm excited about kind of the future of the missions. I'm a big mm -hmm. missions fan. I, when I was a kid, we used to go to VJ Keefe and it was mm -hmm. the Dodgers. Y'all remember? Oh, yeah. I even yeah. got I got to run after the puppy taco three times. I caught him every time. <laughs> 
I found a picture recently uh, of like Fernando Valenzuela when he was pitching oh, for the wow. San Antonio Missions. Really? He's got the SA cap you know, yeah. for just That's before incredible. he. Yeah. It's an incredible history that I don't think we bring up enough. Yeah. You know, it's we really have had pretty incredible players come through here. It's part of who I am. I'm you know I'm very San Antonio and going to VJ Keefe, going to Nelson Wolf. Um, you know, even through the different name changes, uh, I have an old Dodgers cap somewhere. But it's it's not. Um, but it's it's hard for me because I still represent this area, and so I I'm I'm all for it. I, I love the team and what they do, and I'm excited about what they could do. Uh, you know, but but I also need to watch the back of my the people that live in Edgewood, right? So I have to figure that out. So it sounds like you've met with the Elmore Sports Group, which was the previous owner. No, I've no. not met with them. No, no, I've, no, really, not no. with the previous owners. No. Okay, but yeah. with the new owners, the new owners. Yeah. And what did they tell you? Yeah. Well, basically, what what they've said publicly, you know, that they they're not. Um, saying that they're going to move downtown, right? But that's we sort of are all talking about it, um, mm-hmm. and they were very, I mean, they're, they're, they're very they're respectful. Locations downtown, right? Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. they're very respectful of kind of my position, and I think that I, I just, I needed that audience to let them know. Look, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm for the the sale of the team to local, but you got to remember that this is my hood right here. I have to have their back. I represent them. They are me, and so I can't just let this, you know, mm-hmm. um, you can't just take it and, and run. So it was more of a, an audience, I think, for me. Right. Did they give you any any idea of what kind of uh, improvements they're going to make? Uh, I mean, well, because they'll be there for a while. We don't know how long sure. they'll be at Wolf Stadium, but sure. it'll be a while. Yeah, I mean, well, they were the the uh, the improvements to the ball stadium have to be brought up to MLB standards. So it's things like. Um, uh, like padding and just very physical stuff that 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 um, uh, stadium just has to be brought up to the standards that are, I mean safety standards. I mean it, it makes me wonder. I got up on the dugout one time to sing the uh, the seven inning stretch, and now I'm wondering could I? Was that, that a good idea? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! But uh, but no, I mean we went of course number one sure. we should make it safe for our players now, um, and that's really what they what they know that they have to do as new owners. Any new owner would have to do that. You're the chair of the city council's public safety yes, uh, yeah. committee. And uh, th- we had a, an incident in San Antonio that got a lot of attention nearly two months ago. The uh, 17-year-old uh, Eric Cantu mm-hmm. was, was shot by a police officer uh, in a McDonald's parking lot. And I think I think there was pr- pretty much uniform, uh, uniform sentiment that the police officer just did everything yeah. wrong in that case. I, I yeah. think even uh, people who are very supportive of police would say, you know, this was yeah. just not, this is not the right way to handle it. Yeah. And I guess I, I wondered from, from your perspective as the chair of the committee, do you, did you see this as just the actions of, of one rogue officer or did there, were there any alarm bells for you as far as, cause he, he was a, a new officer. He had just mm-hmm. come out of the Academy a few months before mm-hmm. any concerns about th- whether this incident told us something more about any deficiencies in the training process? I don't have any concern that that's a deficiency in, in training or um, in in our force. Uh, generally speaking, I think you know he was one individual who made extremely bad choices. Yeah. Um, I I don't I can't watch those videos. It's very difficult for me to watch that mm. kind of violence. Um, so I didn't watch it. But um, but I, I mean I, I I'll tell you this. I I when I first became chair of public safety, I asked to do like a mini training with them. So we as a committee went to the police academy and we did a mini training. And um, I was, you know, even though it's like a kind of role playing, I was terrified. I mean, it was these, 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 um, uh, role playing where you have an, an, a person that's in a truck that's getting agitated, and you know, I it's it's even in a in a safe where I know I'm safe environment. I it w- I was scared when I heard about this. It's the first thing I thought, like you know, was is his own sort of sort of 
he didn't take out of the training what he should have, like the kind of removing your fear. Um, we, we have to remember that too. I mean, that they're always, I can't imagine that that job day in, day out. But and not to make any excuse for this fellow at all, I think he made very poor choices in this whole scenario. And, and everybody, like you said, agrees with that. Um, but I, I don't think it's a deficiency in training. I think it was a deficiency in his choice. You know, if he was scared, if he was intimidated, if he was angry, if he was, um, you know, I know that he tried to, I think the story was he tried to, to pull the gentleman, the young man over the night before? Was mm. it like being vindictive? I don't mm. know. I can't mm -hmm. I can't pretend to know what was going on through his brain, but I don't think it's a systemic issue in our police department, not at all. And, you know, and um, thank God that sort of thing doesn't happen a lot, but I think we have to look at that as a whole too, right? With 2,000 plus officers, um, that was one, one guy who made pretty bad choices. What's your feedback on how San Antonio Police Department, mm -hmm. how they actually handled it after in the aftermath of it? So releasing the video and all that. I think I, I wouldn't have changed a thing. I mean, I think that they did the right thing. Uh, there's a, I want to say we have a 30-day policy now, um, or the chief has a 30-day policy of releasing. He did it right away. Um, the gentleman, the, the, the officer was... Um, let go right away because he was still on probation. Mm -hmm. I don't think that there's anything they could have done differently. I mean, they they did their due diligence, figured out what he did, how he did it wrong, and then took action. And now he's dealing with the the, the officers dealing with the former officers dealing with the legal system. Earlier um, on another issue, Gilbert asked you if you were mayor. That's our subject. <laughs> We do deal with hypotheticals. We do deal with hypotheticals. So not 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 in not in twenty twenty three, but down the line. Can you see yourself in that in that role? I get asked that question a lot. It's been coming up a lot, um, especially in the last year. You recall, I think the last time you and I talked, um, I had the choice whether to run for a state rep. And at the you time, you had to secede with that she was vacant. Yes, again. that's right. Yeah, I just just had that election, um, and I went and uh, to Josie Garcia's. She's District One Twenty Four, the new uh, representative. I went to her election and I, uh, her, the election night party, I'm really grateful and proud of her, um, but didn't regret it. Not one time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love this city. I want to be in this city. I, I don't want to be in a different city, you know, so it's hard for me. It was a tough decision though. I mean, I, I had people calling me saying, Hey, this is more, uh, this is a higher office. It's more power. It's more this, more that. And after like a number of times hearing that I was kind of dejected. And I, I thought, you know, if that's what you think I want, then you don't, know me, right? I've mm. kind of actually cut people out of my um, cabinet for that reason, because it's, I, that's not what I'm about. It's really like, you know, acting, getting things done in my community. So to ask me, do you want the, well, I call it the big chair to sit in the big chair? Um, I, you know, maybe, I mean, there's, I don't know where the road may lead me, but I, I do really love this city. I, I think that I am San Antonio. I feel very much connected to every, every um, aspect of it. You know, District 6 is like a microcosm of the entire city. So to consider that would be, for me, just kind of scaling up, right? <laughs> um, we have anything that you find in the city we have in in my district. It's, it's Edgewood all the way over to Alma Ranch. It's Westover Hills. Med we have the mini medical center. Mm -hmm. um, we have, you know, predominantly African-American communities in our community workers area. We have, uh, we're predominantly Latino. I think we are very much this city. And so it's just sort of scaling up. Um, 
you know, I, I, I would never close the door to that. Uh, I am still very much focused on getting my job done here, which is why it's been difficult with all the distractions. I sort of joke around. I got elected and about eight months later. We had pandemic. We had uh, George Floyd was killed. We had the winter storm. We had the hottest summer ever. These two incidents with my colleagues. Like, it's never been normal for me. You know? so, <laughs> maybe it never is. Yeah, I no, maybe so not. So 2025, right? Yeah. That's what I think would be. But you hear like trial by fire, right? Yeah. I, at the beginning, I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know what I was getting into. Am I the right person for it? But I very much believe, uh, you know, I was put there for a reason. There's a reason yeah. that I'm here and that I'm, we're going through all of this. And it's sometimes you, it's the fire stiff, you know, um, it gets you stronger, right? Well, Councilwoman Kabil Havidre, thank you so much <laughs> for- ask one question? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, I'm not I'm in charge here, but okay. yes. <laughs> <laughs> a little ranch, I, yeah. I've lived there pretty much my whole oh, life. Oh, okay. Uh, a question about the traffic there. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. the, the specifically Culebra 684, yeah. I think that area- It's a nightmare. loaded yeah. with, with so many people. Yeah. Do you guys have conversations about the traffic there? Because it's yes. from, from 6 a.m. to 10, 10 a.m.? It's a 45 minute drive just to go yeah. maybe a mile. Absolutely. So I grew up in, do you know where Great Northwest is, like Silver Creek? Yeah, I grew I went up to Warren High School. Oh, did you really? Okay, cool. I would have gone to Warren, but I'm older than you, so I went to Taft. <laughs> um, oh, Taft so, right yeah, it's 471. So uh, when I used to drive to Taft from my house, it's uh, 1604 and Calabria was a little four way stop. I mean, there was no highway, there was no, you know, yeah, nothing out there. And so I've seen that growth, you know, over my lifetime and it's explosion. explosion. So what I was saying about, like, you know, it's not just my district, it's right outside because I have just uh, Alamo Ranch just outside 1604 but then there's the whole which I think y'all are going to make yourselves a municipality at some point you're going to be a little your own little mus yeah, municipality my, my, my parents live right there on Lone Star Right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I, I experience that all the time. Right? That's yeah. So we have, I have a lot of conversations about that. And when I talk about Calabria Road, it, it is district one, but it's all the way out to 471. I have to consider because I, uh, my district is, is just that little part of Alamo Ranch, but it goes just the road. It's just Calabria slash 471. It circles around Taft, my high school, it goes straight up and then it's Government Canyon. Yeah. So it's not either side of it. It's just the road. So we can keep Government Canyon. I also boast that we have the only um, district with dinosaur tracks. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. And the highest point in Bear County is government county. So I have a wealth of uh, useless information. But um, so uh, the, the, the that is a big conversation for us. And because that particular area where you're talking about, and then they put a movie theater out there, we have all of that, that, that economic growth, which is fantastic, but it's hard when you can't get in and out of there. So I think y'all have the hardest though, because you have to get to that intersection before you even get, get where you're going. Yeah, yeah. And so I think one of the things that I'm working, we, Via Link has a... Um, a, uh, a pilot program right around there. We, we targeted it right, right around there so that we could see if people would use it. I don't think it's gotten out that much. It's like a, I don't know if you've heard of Via Link. It's like an Uber mm -hmm. for Via. Um, but people, you know, we're used to using our cars. So I think it's a mindset change. I think part of it is, is kind of making people understand you have these different options. Um, but, but, it's going to be it's going to be slow. It's slow mindset change, I think. Um, but f for the bigger issue, like I, I think what we need to do is we need to figure out how to how to I hate this. I hate saying this, but we do need to figure out how to widen that that road mm -hmm. because we do need more lanes. I know I sound like text dot, but I would rather have, <laughs> I would rather have, um, you know, pedestrian and, and bike and, and us figure all of that out. But I think in the short term, we need just more space. We just physically need more space. And then when you look at what happened on Bandera, Bandera in 1604 and all that, it's kind of confusing. My mm -hmm. business is in District 7, and I know that intersection right okay. there. Okay, so do you find that that's better than it was? It, it was very confusing at first, but 
I don't know if it's the algorithm of the lights that it, mm-hmm. it's very efficient. Okay. But I, okay. You you think you're coming to a red light, and I I don't know if that's a, again a function of the road yeah. or the algorithm of the lights. Yeah. Being. Hmm. more finely tuned hmm. well that's good feedback though I mean I, I do think it's confusing I, I, I'm I always a little more like but I, I live there I work there so it's, yeah. it's just repetition obviously hmm. yeah, you, yeah. You deal with it but yeah. would I say it's more or less efficient I, 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 I think it's the lights that are hmm. okay. I get to there really? and, and I find that I'm not waiting that long to okay. to get across well, that's interesting. I wonder if I could talk to you about this offline, though, because I want to hear more feedback from you about that. I, I think if it's the lights, I mean, that's something that's not. Are you talking about the timing of the lights? Yeah, the time, so, for example, not to get too granular here, but like on um, right behind the Target, uh, there yeah. on Elmo Ranch, mm-hmm. there's that light that cuts across. Yeah. To cut across to the Walmart side where the trails are, yeah. the light is maybe like 10, 15 seconds. And then the Kool-Aid, I yeah, assume those true. are time to get the Kool-Aid that's a good point. Mm-hmm. going this way. So, like, it gets backed up all yeah. over that. That's a really good point. I mean, maybe that's an easier fix. It's a great idea. Hmm. You should consider running for district six when I'm on. Well, after you. Yeah, after I'm Thank you so much. <laughs> we need to <laughs> Thank you so much for joining Thank the podcast. You. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving. You too. And Thank uh, you. we really appreciate it. I really enjoyed it. Thank you guys. Thank I appreciate you. you. Have and, a happy holiday season. And for everyone listening in, I uh, hope you all are doing well and have, have a happy Thanksgiving. And uh, we'll be back with you next week. Take care.